Hey everyone, welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom Syndicate is about people who have a story to tell to inspire others to keep working toward their potential, no matter what happens in your life. Rock Bottom is an opportunity to learn, pivot, and adapt to whatever life throws your way. Rock Bottom is a time where you can choose to take responsibility for everything in your life, because when you take responsibility, you gain control to change things for yourself. Your secrets are the prisoner of your emotions, so ask for help and tell your story. My guest, Heather Gross, has uh, indeed told her story, and she's done it in a book. Her book title is Headstrong, a young stroke survivor's journal and workbook. You can uh, reach Heather at her website, heathersfight.com, on Facebook at Heather's Fight, and also on LinkedIn, Heather Gross. So I encourage you to reach out to her. She would love to answer your questions and uh, tell you about her book, which will be coming out very soon. Um, the episode is a two-part series, so she's going to tell us about what happened in her life and then um, part two, more about the uh, adaptation to the disabilities and the struggle and how she kept focusing on the bright side and leaning into uh, the situation to be able to come up with solutions and adaptations. Um, a really beautiful woman, very positive story in the end, um, even though the situation was uh, difficult. So I hope you will enjoy the show. I hope you'll reach out to Heather and to me with your questions. If you have a rock bottom story, I'd love to be, um, be a person who can sit with you and listen to you tell your story and help you to share it to help others inspire others. So thanks a lot and enjoy the show. Welcome back, Heather. Nice to have you back on another episode of Rock Bottom Syndicate. Thank you, Joyce, for having me. You're welcome. I am. Um, I've heard your overall story about the the. Um, what, tell me again the name of it. The an, aneurysm. Uh, it was a cavernous malformation. Cavernous malformation. So it was like a tangle of vessels. Yes, it kind of looks like a raspberry. It's a cluster of really weak blood vessels. And we don't know if you're born with it, they think, but we don't really even know where it, where it came from. And ultimately, this led you to um, a series of bleeds and a stroke that caused you to have left-sided um, deficits? Yes. I had um, actually... In all technicality, the five brain hemorrhages I had could have been all considered strokes. I need blood in the brain. Um, and so I had five of those over 11 months, which the fifth one left me completely paralyzed on my left side. So you were unable to walk. Did it affect your speech at all? Uh, slightly a slurred speech. Uh, that came back fairly quickly. I was unable to walk. I was in a wheelchair for about six months. Um, I, I'm able to walk now. I do have a little bit of a gimp in my step, um, but I still have no functional use of my left hand. Okay. Can you use your arm? I can use my arm. Um, it doesn't work as easily as the right. It, it, it can assist me with certain things, mm -hmm. but I have no fine motor skills with my fingers. Got it. Yeah. So what's that like? It's very hard. So I, you know, I got through the scariest health crisis of my life so far, knock on wood. And it, you know, it is never going to leave me. I, 
you know, I'm still faced every day with struggles. Um, and you know, even minor things such as I can't tie my own shoes. You need two hands to do that. Mm -hmm. I can't, um, you know, pull my hair back in a ponytail. Um, sometimes cooking is difficult if you need to chop vegetables or something like that. And so I'm constantly reminded of what I've been through and that at times can be really hard and make me frustrated and, you know, start a pity party of woe is me. Like why this happened to me? My friends are all doing their hair all nice and, you know, here, <laughs> excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. Um, I, you know, try and keep those pity parties to a minimum. I, you know, acknowledge they're there and that, yes, this is unfair at times, but, you know, I do have a lot to be grateful for. I, you know, am able to reshift like my focus instead of looking at the things I can't do that, you know, other people my age can do. I look at all the things I can do and which are really great. I can drive. I work full time. I own a house. I have a little crazy dog, which you might hear him. <laughs> um, and I take him on walks and play with him out in the yard. Um, so, you know, and, and I can walk. I mean, I didn't know if I was ever going to walk again yeah, yeah. and I've been blessed that I worked hard and was able to walk. I might have a little bit of a gimp, but um, I've had actually five surgeries since the brain surgery, all to help improve um, the deficits I have from the stroke. So I had like some tendon lengthening surgeries because mm -hmm. um, I have a lot of spasticity and tone in my left side, which is normal after a stroke for the body to react that way. So my muscles get really tight and they're overreacting. So I've had a couple surgeries to help with that. I had it in my left eye as well. Mm -hmm. And I still get Botox injections in my left arm to help with the spasticity. I get that every three months. Um, I joke that I'm going to have the youngest looking arm when I'm 80. So. <laughs> <laughs> You seem to be a very uh, independent person, and um, also you're, you know, you have this great sense of humor. But the the independence it makes me think of where you were talking about chopping veggies or just the idea of me taking the turkey out of the oven with one hand. You just can't do it, right? There's yeah. Oh, I find a way. My mom jokes that I ever since I was a little girl, I always said I do it. Like she would say, Heather, hold my hand before we cross the street. And I say, no, I do it. Yeah. So I've always been independent. And now, you know, where I do have some things that are difficult for me to do and, you know, my fiance or someone, my family will offer to help me. I'll say, no, I'm going to do it. And I still have that attitude that, you know, even though it might be difficult, I'm going to find a way to do it myself and call me stubborn, but I'm part German. So, <laughs> so that's really part of your nature, which, you know, it's it in this was an opportunity for you to exercise it, but I can't help but think that you've had to adjust your attitude somewhat to let people help you. Has that been hard? Yes. It's very hard because I am so independent and it's yeah. kind of a pride thing, yeah. you know, help letting people help me. 
I think has been the hardest part of my journey through this. Um, I, especially right out of the hospital when I was a hundred percent dependent on my mom for care, you know, she had to bathe me. She had to get me in and out of my wheelchair. She had to go prep my meals. I mean, that was really hard for me as a young adult to go through, but I learned that, you know, we all need help sometimes and there's going to be a time, you know, my mom's going to need help with something. And actually just recently she had a procedure done and she needed some help with some things. And I was able to do that. And I'm sure that was hard for her, but, um, we all need to learn to just accept where we are at this moment and, you know, accept the help because if it can make this situation just a little bit easier on you, then by all means do it. So that concept asking for help is really, it's one of the hashtags I use with this podcast with rock bottom syndicate, ask for help and tell your story. So I want to dig a little bit deeper there with you because I think, I think you tapped it and I, I just want to go a little bit deeper because personally for me, it's really hard to ask for help. And what I have trouble with is, is the next layer of why is that? Like some people ask for help, no problem. Some people are really annoying and ask for too much help. And I'm like, they're you know acting really entitled. And um, for me, it means something a little deeper. And I, I think, um, I think with as you and I, a team trying to help more people, maybe we can talk about what that was like for you and if you had any breakthroughs um, when you ran up against that resistance. Well, like I said, I think it's completely normal for us as human beings to not want to seem needy or dependent on somebody. Um, I think it's a pride thing, you know, it's our egos that, you know, we're meant to be independent people and, you know, we're taught from kids that, okay, you know, you need to brush your teeth, you need to clean your room, you need to take out the trash. We're taught it's ingrained in us to be independent. And so I think it's perfectly normal to kind of be hesitant to ask for help. However, I have found that it is a freedom. It actually makes me more independent, I think, because, you know, when my fiance, um, if there's something heavy that needs lifted, that you need two hands to lift, I, you know, might try it first and realize, okay, well, this isn't going to work. And, you know, I, I ask for that help. Um, and it, it not only helps me because a, I'm not going to hurt myself trying to do it, um, but B, I think it also gives us that pride that we were able to humble ourselves and know that we need the help. Like I said before, we all, every person on this planet needs help from somebody at some point. And I'm sure we all are more than willing to help our loved ones mm -hmm. when they need it. So if you kind of reshape your focus on, well, what would I do? It, how would I view like if this person, if it was not me asking for help, but it was my child asking for help or my mom or my dad, how would I react? Would I judge them for that? Or would I graciously accept and help them because I care for them? So if you look at it that way, because most of us would all, you know, jump, you know, at the drop of a hat to help somebody we care about. Um, if you look at 
it, it's not saying that you're dependent. It's not saying you're not capable. It's just saying that you um, value yourself and your loved ones enough that you're able to ask for help. Mm-hmm. That's a nice perspective shift. I think sometimes people will take some of the meanings that you, you said, it's not this, it's not that. So it's not being needy um, if you really need help and how you ask for it and um, matters as well. Um, ability to reciprocate, you know, you've become more able to reciprocate because of asking for help when you needed it. Exactly. It, we, you know, it's all, I, I believe that, you know, us asking for help and us giving help is just all part of this thing we call life. And, you know, we go through our entire lives and it's all a series of that. You know, when, when you're a baby and you're hungry, you, you know, ask for help from your mom for food or, um, and then when we're adults, if we're sick, you know, we're asking for help around the house or for groceries, something like that. And it's just, it's, it's all through life and we have to be able to self care for ourselves and self love and know that, you know, asking for help is not, um, is not bringing our character down at all. If anything, it's bringing it up because we know that we care about ourselves enough to ask for that help when we need it. Mm, That's beautifully said. It reminds me of uh, the other day I was going to the post office and there was a woman older than I am who walked okay, but definitely had a a slower gait. And um, so I was in my typical way, ready to pass her and like jump ahead. And the timing just wasn't right. And all of a sudden it occurred to me how rude that was going to be um, because I, she wanted to hold the door for me. I, I somehow sensed that that was the plan that she was going to hold the door for me. And um, I had to just like stop and pause and let her take her next couple steps. Um, and, 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 and indeed she did hold the door for me and I got to thank her for that. And I was like, that was a gift I gave her because it, she felt good about it. She didn't realize that, you know, what was going on in my head. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think we, if we flip the perspective and say, here's a chance for this person to help me, an opportunity for this person to help me, that that's a, uh, a way to feel elevated in our character that there's, you know, this goodness about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think our, I think our caregivers, um, they, you know, they're going through what we're going through as well. And to give them that opportunity to feel like they can help. I mean, my, my dad, he's always been, and I think a lot of men are all about, what he can do to fix the situation. And when I was going through my health issues, there was nothing he could actually do like physically, mm-hmm. um, except help me when I needed it. And I, um, my brain surgery was a week before my finals in my junior year of college. And I remember they were wheeling me off to the operating room and I looked back and I, I said to my dad, I said, what am I going to do about my finals? And, you know, of course he was like, Heather, please don't be thinking about your finals right now and just focus on getting through this brain surgery you're about to have. Um, but I was really worried cause I, you know, I knew after the brain surgery, I knew I wasn't going to be able to go to school and take my finals. 
So my dad was able to, I asked him to help reach out to my professors to see if they could give me an as-is grade of what I've done so far this semester due to the circumstances. And um, so he, that gave him, I needed help in that situation and that gave him something he could physically do to make himself feel like he was helping me in my recovery. And, um, you know, he still talks about it to this day because he was going back and forth with my professors and luckily they all agreed to just give me an as is grade. Um, and well, the one was kind of reluctant at first, but my dad kept, you know, emailing back and forth and was persistent. And then when he got that end result of, it was such a relief to me that I didn't have to worry about my finals. Um, it gave my dad such, um, you know, just pleasure and such, um, meaning that he would, he like contributed to my recovery and helping me get better. That's beautiful. Has, um, have there been times when you really struggled the most with asking for help? Yes, I would say now more than ever, um, because I am, I'm not completely dependent on people right now. I do have some independence And when I, and I I think, you know, it's been seven years and I kind of want to just be over already. And, you know, so when I have to ask for help now, it, you know, is really hard for me. I think just recently my fiance and I were at a work event and there was a buffet Mm -hmm. and usually at a buffet, you hold your plate in one hand and you use the other hand to scoop the food on the plate. Well, I can't do that. So I had to have asked him to hold my plate for me. And it seems so minor and something so just um, silly to be upset about. But to me, that felt childish. Like, to me, it felt like, you know, I was a kid and I can't hold my own plate. Like, I'm going to drop it. And Mm -hmm. I'm 30 years old and I'm asking somebody for help. But again, I reshaped my focus that you know, he, my fiance is a caregiver. He loves me and he wants to do things to help me. And that, you know, he obviously, I would do the same thing for him if he was in that situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, we help each other. And, um, I'm not only helping me by letting him help me, but, um, you know, I know that, this is what I can do. Like I'm able to eat my food on my own. I don't have to have him like feed me. Um, I was able to walk up to the line with him and help pick out the choices I wanted. And, you know, so it's hard. It's still hard. And I think it's something we all are going to continuously struggle with, but it's just all about reshaping your focus and, you know, the self love. I mean, just knowing that, I've come so far and I'm independent in a lot of things that if I need to ask him for help for this little thing, like if anything, it's just helping him, you know, as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think those are really important tools um, to be able to shift the thinking because we're always going to go back to the interpretation we had of life from childhood. Right. And or or these experiences. I recently interviewed um, Gary Epler. He's an MD, 
um, and has developed through his own life experience. He's a pulmonologist, so he, he, it's interesting that he's into the brain as much as he is. Um, but his philosophy is called Eplarian after his name. And it's really all about like what part of the brain, recognizing what part of the brain you're, you're thinking in. And so if you're having those more negative thoughts about what it means for somebody to hold your plate, um, you know, you just maybe went back to your two-year-old or three-year-old self, um, me do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and recognizing that you're not that, that, child anymore and you don't need to you know you're talking yourself through it I think that's what you're so gifted at well I think it's um you know all about our reactions every every day you know if it's raining outside tomorrow and that's not what I my plan was I was I was going to take my dog on a walk but it's pouring down rain yeah I could either be like oh my gosh and be miserable all day or I could think you know well that gives me an excuse to read my book today and maybe catch up on some cleaning and some housework. And so changing it into something that's productive instead of letting it, you know, ruin my day and think about, Oh, how awful this is. I mean, life, it, we all have plans for life and I, unfortunately, I don't think it ever turns out the way we planned. Right. Um, and every day is, you know, just a different, uh, struggle of what we had planned versus reality. Mm -hmm. And it's all about shifting our focus to look at, um, you know, okay, this didn't go as planned, but I'm going to make the best out of it. I'm going to do something good with it. I'm going to be produ productive. I'm going, you know, to um, find a way to see the beauty in it, what, no matter how ugly it is. Mm -hmm. You know what I want to relate to with you is you seem like it happens and then you deal with it in such a nice way. Really? Is it always that easy? No. Did you ever like just grab your something computer and throw it against the wall or when well, you did so, go? <laughs> so I, you know, I allow myself and I think it's important we all do is to allow yourself to feel the hurt and mm -hmm. feel the pain. You know, there, um, just probably a month ago, I found out that I'm getting arthritis in my left foot from one of the surgeries I had. They had to move a muscle in my foot mm -hmm. and it's actually causing my like left midfoot joint to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. And they said, you know, I'm eventually going to need to get that whole joint fused and it's a quite a extensive recovery. It's three months of absolutely no weight bearing on that side. And I, that was, that was a hard day for me. And I let, I cried, I screamed, I, you know, called my mom and said, this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you, you have to allow yourself to feel those emotions because they're real and it does suck, you know, yeah. but, <laughs> but, you know, so I do allow myself to feel that, but then I try and then focus on, okay, well, how are we going to get through this? And so the next thing I did was the following day, I made an appointment to get um, steroid injections in my foot to buy me a little bit more time before I have to have the fusion surgery. So I was doing something productive about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what Dr. Epler taught me. He, he calls it 
know who you are moment by moment. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, what you seem really gifted at is, and, and he talks about this. He says, if you feel it, get, don't interpret it, but just lean into the feeling and let yourself really feel it. And he claims it can dissipate within seconds or minutes. Um, if you really lean into it and see it and it moves you more quickly into your prefrontal cortex, into that part, that part of your brain that's going to solve it or into your pleasure center, you know, where you're going to enjoy, look at gratitudes or whatever. So you seem to just know how to do that naturally. It's been a lot of years of therapy. I, um, I had a depression as a young child. I was 12, I think. Uh, it runs in my family. Mm -hmm. And so I started seeing a therapist um, and she has taught me that, you know, that you've, so you need to allow yourself to feel things. You can't just say, Oh no, no, no I'm going to shut them off and move forward. And it's all sunshines and rainbows. Cause that's not life. Yeah. I mean, life hurts and you know, you need to allow yourself to feel that and say this sucks. And it, you know, but then it helps you start the healing process where then you can be proactive and productive and move forward. So, you know, in no way, shape or form do I think somebody can have something bad happen to them and they just laugh it off and say, Oh, okay, well I'm going to keep going. No, you need to allow yourself to feel it. Cause that's part of the process. It's part of being human. And I, I, I guess too, that's where having a good, uh, community, you know, family support system, whatever, however you create or cultivate that um, so that you have that person to sit with you in the dark night of your soul when you're going through this um, tough, tough point. Um, yeah. I'm glad you said that because that, I think that's what was kind of, I'm like, she's making it sound so easy. And, and now I see that you've had some schooling and education just just by chance because of what was else was going on in your life. So you've had other rock bottoms. Yes. Yes. I have had many. Um, I, you know, I, after, and this was completely, uh, this was a big rock bottom that was unrelated to my stroke and brain surgery, um, which, you know, had consumed my life for so long that I kind of forgot there were other rock bottoms out there. And I um, got married probably two years after the brain surgery. And he, we were actually just gotten engaged right before I had the brain surgery. And he stuck by my side and he was amazing. And, you know, we had a great life together. But after five years, we decided to call it quits. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a new rock bottom for me and mm -hmm. something completely unrelated to my brain. Um, so it was, I think in a way kind of worse, um, just because of everything I'd been through and I was thinking, well, why this now? And, mm -hmm. um, it was really tough for me. And I, you know, I really relied on my family again. Um, I ended up moving in with my parents for a month until I found a new house and, Shortly after we decided to call it quits, um, a new person at work had started and we met and um, it wasn't great timing, but again, I don't think it was any accident that we met at that time because it gave me new hope and I'm happy to report that me and that guy that met at work are about to get married this August, um, August 22nd of this year. 
and he, you know, is just amazing and has loved me and he actually has a hearing impairment. Um, so like a disability, um, which is kind of how like we just kind of form this bond of, you know, going through life where, you know, sometimes people treat you differently with a disability and, um, you know, just how we overcome what life has dealt us. Mm-hmm. And it, it's been amazing. And I'm sure there'll be other, you know, rock bottoms in my future. Unfortunately, I know they're out there somewhere, but I, you know, I have a track record of 100% of getting getting through things. So I know I'm going to be fine. I love that. Well, we're about out of time again. I know it's hard. I'm, I'm really... Um... So grateful to hear the details of your story. And the more detail I hear, it's like, just, yes, I get it now. This is hard. And you graduated from college. You got married. You got divorced. You got in another relationship. Oh, and by the way, this is, you know, the backdrop. And then just the other physical stuff of the surgeries, arthritis. It's just so much. Life is is complicated. It is complicated and it, you know, unfortunately is always going to be complicated. I don't think, um, you know, it's ever smooth sailing for anybody, even the people who seem like it's smooth sailing. I, everybody has struggles. Um, but I think life is so beautiful because of that. Um, we learn in the bad times, we learn to appreciate the good times and, you know, all those tears, you learn to appreciate all the laughter you're going to have. And, um, you know, just looking at it, that something good is going to come out of a bad situation. And, you know, finding that, which is, I'm so thankful that I got the courage to write a book and try and help, you know, people in the entire world. And um, I hope, to write more one day because my journey is still going and I'm sure there's going to be more things to write about. But, you know, using what I went through to help people is what makes life beautiful. Well, I'm so grateful that you're doing it. One more time, the title of your book, the full title. It's called Headstrong, um, a young stroke survivor's uh, journal and workbook. There's going to be a series of questions at the end of the book that help readers kind of, you know, write down about their, you know, rock bottoms, write down struggles they've had in life. And it takes them through a series of questions to find, you know, the good in it or try and change their perspective. And then there will also be an opportunity to do a video chat with me and be able to talk, you know, face to face about life and, Mm -hmm. you know, the struggles we face. That's awesome. Very nice. Well, best of luck with the launch um, and that whole process going forward. I'm looking forward to reading your book and I'm so grateful for the opportunity today and these two episodes with Rock Bottom Syndicate to get to know you better, hear your story and um, look forward to continuing the conversation. Oh, thank you, Joyce. I really appreciate this and I hope to talk to you again soon. Okay, thank you.